No, until I got in my truck. You were in a hat and sunglasses. sunglasses. And I'm like, I recognize that voice. And then as soon as I got in my truck, I'm like, that's Steve. (laughs) I would introduce you to my son. Not really. I mean, he didn't kind of shake your hand, but. You're right here. Huh? Right here. Oh. Okay. Huh. Anybody have a clue about the day two? Let's see. We can get your tag to wear on your next Apparently so. Could do that. <clears throat> so, do we have Christy on? Yes. She's logged in, but I'm not sure if she's there or if that's just her account. Nope, I'm here. She's Hi, everybody. Hi, Christy. Sorry, I couldn't be there in person. No worries. Are you okay? I'm okay, but my little guy isn't. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yep. We got a bug. Tis the season. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Um, Technically, we're not really calling this to order, but we have a presentation this mo- this evening. Um, Jason, yes. you may go. Thank you, sir. Or start. All right. Uh, I'm Jason Peasley. I'm the executive director of the Yampa Valley Housing Authority. Uh, wanted to take this opportunity. Thank you guys for having us here. Um, we're doing this presentation in a, a bunch of different groups around the community. Just getting people familiar with who the Housing Authority is, um, what we do, how we do it, and some of the projects we have in our pipeline, including the, the Brown Ranch. Um, before we get started, I just I just want to mention that, um, that there is an election happening about Brown Ranch and that as a paid member of the government, I'm not in a position to answer any questions related to that. So if you do have questions, there's campaigns on either side, feel free to talk to them. Um, but as it relates to the presentation today, my, my goal is simply just information about the housing authority, what we do, how we're doing it, and the uh, plans that we have uh, in place for our projects in the pipeline. We will stay away from politics, trust me. That's <laughs> All right. So, so the reason why the housing authority exists is because uh, this valley, at, like many other places in the, in the country, um, have uh, a housing crisis. And so from, from our perspective, uh, it, there's very unique challenges that exist in, in Route County related to uh, delivering on housing. Um, and so the housing authority was created about 20 years ago by the city and the county to address housing problems. What, what we're essentially working against is the fact that for years, we have not built enough supply of housing to meet the needs for the folks that want to own homes here, um, either because they live here and work here, uh, or because they want a vacation here, they want, to, uh, they want a second home here. And so over the course of time, we simply have not built enough supply. And um, the, uh, the impact of that is, is that today, we have about 1,400 homes that are needed. Um, The housing authority, the way in which we sort of attack this problem is by building supply. And so you've seen us build apartment complexes throughout town. Um, Overall, we've built four complexes that you see coming out that have come out of the ground that are 
occupied or currently being occupied. Um, and, and all told, that's about $100 million in real estate. We've been able to spur that on by bringing, bringing out about $4.5 million of local money. So that comes from the housing authorities, mill levy, a little bit of money came in from the county, a little bit from the city. Um, and we're able to leverage that up with federal grants, state grants, philanthropic grants, and federal tax credits to the tune of about $10 for every $1 that we put in as a community. And so we're able to buy down essentially the cost of those 285 units that we've built so that they can be affordable to the folks that live there. Uh, when we're looking at solving housing problems, there's kind of four main issues that, we, that we're dealing with. The first we talked about is the sheer availability of housing, simply not enough. Um, the second is that what is available, not all of it is affordable um, to the folks that make real wages here in, in Steamboat. Uh, and then from that comes quite a bit of instability in housing. Folks are unsure whether they're going to be able to afford their housing next year, whether that unit's even going to be available for them to rent. Um, and, and the other issue that we're dealing with is mobility. And the fact that like right now, people are holding on with white knuckles to whatever it is that they've got. Uh, from a housing standpoint. And there's not a lot of opportunities for people to move as their circumstances change, either their income goes up or down, household size changes. So uh, we're very interested in getting to a point where we have mobility in our housing market. We see that happen a little bit every time we, we bring on a new property. Uh, we see people moving amongst the housing market a little bit. And that's good. We want to see that happen. We want there to be some fluidity in our market. Um, the way in which we build housing is through public-private partnerships. So the housing authority is, is good at what we do. Uh, we bring local resources to the table. We, um, we do all the local entitlements, make sure that the project meets all the local zoning codes and all of that. Um, and we bring in the developer partners to help us access capital and most importantly, to take on risk. Uh, there's a lot of risks as it relates to development, cost overruns, busts in schedule, trouble leasing up properties, whatever it might be. We as a community aren't necessarily wanting to take on those types of risks. So we bring in our developer partner to take on those risks on our behalf that limits our downside. So our investment in those properties is more secure. Um, a product that we have in the pipeline right now is, is our Mid-Valley property. Um, we, uh, we just did some grading out there um, to, to uh, kind of get the site prepped for construction this coming year. Um, this is behind the UC uh, Health Urgent Care Center right next to Young Tracks. Um, we've got kind of a phase one and a phase two plan. Phase one is 84 for sale units. So we're really excited about our ability to kind of expand our offerings primarily done mostly rental apartments. Now we're delivering some for sale condos uh, to that middle income tier. And we heard through listening to the community that a lot of folks in that income range are really interested in finding opportunities to buy and there simply just isn't supply. Um, and so uh, on the heels of those 84 for sale units, we have 150 units at the moment. It's kind of anticipated to be another rental project. We're keeping a close eye on the, on the, demand for ownership because we may actually end up shifting some or all of those 150 units to ownership if we see demand for uh, for that for sale product being as robust as we think it might be. Do, do you mind if we ask if I have a quick question? On the market rate, 
what's the, in addition to the AMI, are there other deed restrictions on those for sale units? Yeah. Yeah. So we, we, you know, because we're putting a significant amount of community resources in there, we want these things to be affordable in perpetuity. So we have a deed restriction or what we call a community affordability agreement. Um, and, and the, the key there is that we limit it to people who work for physical locations in route County. So what that does um, is it, you know, it limits folks. We're not, you know, we're not selling to second homeowners. We're not selling to vacation renters. Um, it needs to be people's primary residence. So we're not, this isn't being sold to landlords, if that makes sense and rent it out. Um, and then the units will have an appreciation cap on them as well. So that, uh, you know, they're available at an affordable price to the second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth person that ends up buying that unit. Do you know that appreciation cap or is that to be determined? It's, it's, a, it's indexed to wage inflation. Okay. And so um, it, it, you know, ultimately, I think we would like to see it click along at a relatively consistent pace, two, three, four percent, something along those lines, consistently year over year, instead of having a lot of ups and downs. Um, but ultimately, that's the that's the objective there. Um, when we when we talk about developing these units, um, some of the most important things for us is is remembering that. In each, in each of these units is an individual household or family or person um, that are folks that we know in this town that getting into safe, stable, affordable housing is transformational for their, uh, their existence. Adele is a story that we've, we've told a lot. Um, it's, it's particularly heartwarming in the, the impact that getting into stable housing has had on her family and their mobility. Um, and, and we have a lot of stories like this um, and it's important to remember the human side of what it is that we do. Um, there's an economic side to what we're doing as well. Uh, we are experiencing significant issues hiring people in this community, bringing in talent, um, because there simply just isn't housing supply. Um, you know, we were talking with the with the uh, the college earlier today, and and they were saying, you know, it, it's commonplace for them to make offers and have people just walk away because they can't find housing. And, and, and that happens for a lot of our, uh, a, a lot of our important businesses here in town. And so we're wanting to build more supply so that those businesses can grow at their natural rate. Um, as, we've, as we've developed supply throughout town, we have picked up just about every good piece of ground that exists in Steamboat and certainly every affordable piece of ground that exists in Steamboat. And so we're now looking towards the western part of um, of Steamboat to grow. And this is where we kind of get to the intersection of what it is that you all do here um, and, and work that's been done for the last 30 years on the planning of West Steamboat. So um, many of you, you know, have worked on community plans like the Route County Community Plan or the West Area Plan. Um, and, and those have all been focused on growing steamboat in a particular area so that we can keep Route County rural and maintain our urban developments in our urban centers. I think as a, as a former planner, I think it's incredibly good land use policy. Um, and it's been, it's been part of the plans for several years. And so when the housing authority acquired the Brown Ranch property, 534 acres immediately west of Steamboat Springs, 440 acres in the urban growth boundary, 
it was really transformational for us as a community. We now own the vast majority of the growth area for Steamboat. And, and we have an op opportunity to dictate what happens with that growth. And so we went back to the, the community for the better part of two years and listened. Talked about hopes and fears. What are the considerations that we need to have? Who, who does growth benefit? What's the type of things we wanna see when growth is happening? Um, and, and from that came the plan that we ultimately submitted to the city for annexation. Um, during that period of time, you know, the, the Steamboat Springs voters um, passed the STR tax, and then they passed the STR dedication to Brown Ranch. And now we are doing more of that community engagement that sort of started this all out. And the purpose of that community engagement is to both explain what it is that we're, you know, the community had come, come to create with the Brown Ranch Community Development Plan, and then also to continue that feedback loop. So Brown Ranch, as, we, as we've envisioned it, is, is essentially the thoughtful and methodical build out of this property over the course of the next 20 to 25 years. So that looks like essentially the next generation worth of development in this town. And the important thing is, is that it's, it's controlled by a community entity, the housing authority that was created by the city and county to deliver housing. And so our goal is to be flexible and to build to demand. And so where demand exists, we will build units. Where it doesn't exist, we're not doing it. And so as we, as we develop out over the course of the next several years, we have a couple really awesome opportunities. And the first is in diversifying product types. So we've, we've been building a lot of apartment complexes, now venturing into some condo complexes. This gives us the opportunity to really provide that full suite of housing options from single family homes, townhomes, row homes, uh, little bungalows and, and also apartments and condos and also expand the range of people that we serve. So we've traditionally served folks at low and moderate incomes. We are now able to provide housing for basically people all along the income spectrum that, that make wages here in Route County. Um, in addition to it providing a significant amount of housing, the, the goal is to work in community partnerships to provide the other services that you would need in a community. So a food market, we heard loud and clear from folks, especially who live on the west side of town, that they wanna see a food market on the west side of town. Um, we, wanna, we wanna make sure we have space for childcare facilities and nonprofit centers, medical services. And, and we have the land resources and those people have the expertise. We're particularly good at housing. They're particularly good at you know, childcare, medical services, as it may be. So we're partnering with those local organizations to deliver those services. Um, one of the areas that we're significantly further along in in our community partnerships is with the, with the Steamboat Sports Bar. And so we're working with them on kind of finding a home for their vision, which is a, a, an indoor field house that's open to the community that has two full-size athletic fields uh, and we're planning to dedicate eight and a half acres that would have been a park in our um, development plan to this community asset. And so we're, we're anticipating it being on the west side of our property adjacent to County Road 42. And it will be integrated into the neighborhood um, and adjacent to a parcel that the school So at some point in time, there may be a need for the, the school district to um, put a school there, it'd be great to have those things co-located. Um, 
as we as we develop out, that's just one of the parks. We have a significant amount of parks and open space and trails um, throughout throughout Brown Ranch. We're extending the core trail all the way from essentially our entrance across to County Road 42. Um, we're also making sure that every home is within two blocks of parks and open space. And 45% of the area that we're that we're dedicating here or, or annexing to the city is parks and open space. And it starts with the Slate Creek corridor that runs through the middle um, kind of Eastern half of the site. And we really wanted to make sure that we took care of that's a tributary of the Yampa. It's important for us to kind of celebrate that natural riparian environment. We've got a, uh, a large kind of open space surrounding that. It's essentially the backbone of the, of the open space um, within the neighborhoods. Um, we get asked lots and lots about how this is going to be made affordable. The, the costs of building this are the costs of what it is. There, there's no extra discount that we're going to get. We've moved a lot of different levers from a, uh, from a site design standpoint to try to contain costs as much as possible. But ultimately, the two by four for the, for the expensive home, the two by four for the affordable home are all the same price. And so what's different from the, the way the housing authority can do this is that is that we already start with essentially a really good foundation, which is the land donation, free and clear, and the commitment of the short-term rental tax. And then we can leverage that up by bringing in outside resources like federal, state, and philanthropic grants and additional tax credits that can, that can buy down the cost of uh, the overall home price to a place where the rent or what you have to pay to buy the home is, uh, is affordable to the individuals that, that live there. Um, it's important to note that this, there are no taxes being proposed to support this. This is the short-term rental tax um, or commitment that was made is essentially it as far as the need to um, subsidize this. Um, as we as we're building, we we spent quite a bit of time working with our steering committee, talking about if you're building a lot of housing, you need to be really intentional about how you're doing how you're doing it. And so our second goal above or below, sitting right below affordable and attainable housing, is sustainability. And so we've invested in a lot of different areas where um, we can we can really find the intersection of sustainability and affordability. The geothermal system is a really good example of that. Um, ground, uh, basically a ground source geothermal system that delivers heating and cooling to every single um, space there at 50% of the energy that you would normally see um, from any other heating and cooling system. Um, that saves money on cost of ownership and also delivers on climate action. Um, we're also working on, you know, wildfire resiliency and, um, you know, battery charging and, and working on delivering water conservation approaches that are above and beyond what you see in the existing city right now. Um, the last thing that we that we focus on is health equity, which is really important from the standpoint of um, where you live is the number one social determinant of your health. And so what health equity ultimately means is it's about access. And so we wanted to make sure that we were engaging in those partnerships that we talked about earlier uh, related to delivering, yes, the housing, but then the other items that make your neighborhood healthy, 
access to outdoor play spaces, medical services, healthy foods, those types of things are really important um, to getting great health outcomes for our people. And so um, as we're building housing, we really wanna be conscious about the fact that we wanna make healthy communities and we wanna make them sustainable. Um, and lastly, as we're doing these community meetings, we're, we're kind of re-engaging on the, the, the community in, in helping us shape what's happening at Brown Ranch. Um, this is going to be a, a long development process and we need to be flexible to meet the needs. We also need to know what those needs are. So we're asking the community to say, what, what does by the community and for the community or community empowerment engagement look like moving forward? And, and so we'd love to hear some thoughts about what that might look like now. Um, all the literature that you guys have um, and, and the stuff that's on our web, website um, is available. You can reach out to us anytime. Our email's right there. Um, and our goal is really to hopefully answer some questions because I know lots of people have them. Jason, how many phases are there totally? Um, there's four neighborhoods. Uh, I would say, you know, it, each phase is going to be, you could consider each neighborhood a phase, although it's, it's ultimately going to be built out in, in uh, I don't know, 30 or 40 very smaller phases, if that makes sense. Uh, and so um, it's, it's really going to be, if all goes well, essentially a steady development over the course of the next 20 to 25 years, uh, just rolling from one block to the next as we develop more and more supply. Uh, the only reason I'm asking the question, it says there's enough water for oh. phase one. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I said, okay. That's yeah, it. And phase one, as it was described in the annexation agreement, is 1,100 units, so essentially half the project. Oh, okay. Yep. Put the map up too, the water. Jason, Jason uh, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Um, is all the infrastructure going to be phased in, or is that going to be done all at once, like the water, sewer, utilities, roads, that kind of stuff? No, they'll be phased in. Okay. Well, yeah, kind of in, in each neighborhood, um, and and so it, I think it will all. You know, obviously, there's some some infrastructure stuff that just has to be tied together all at once when you're doing say one particular neighborhood you got to have your access you got to have water boots and those types of things so there will be some upfront infrastructure expense but then yeah it'll be ideally as phased as possible because that's the way that we can efficient with our resources as possible if we went and built all the roads and sewer we would just have road we just have water and sewer sitting in the ground for 10 years while we're working to develop the rest of the site okay so so you said basically half of the build out is covered with phase one. So what happens with mean, sewer and water for phase two? Water? Yeah. So the the plan is is that um, to to get past phase one from a water standpoint, the mm -hmm. city would need to construct its Elk River treatment facility. Uh, and so that is something that there, there's some actual triggers in the annexation agreement for the city to start investing and planning in that. And that the funds for that investments and planning will come from tap fees at Brown Range. Yep. 
So when, I'm sorry, going back to infrastructure, is the cost of geothermal put into that as well? And, yeah. And what, what is that in relation to the other? What do you if, um, I know I'm stuttering a bit. So in a sense of I, my water and sewer, what would be the cost of um, increase of adding geothermal? Oh, well, so that's a, that's a good question. So the, the upfront cost of geothermal tends to be a little higher than just putting in gas lines, as an example, to then run a boiler to heat your house. Um, and so right now, the cost is actually half of what it normally would be because the Inflation Reduction Act um, for this for this area actually has a direct pay of half of the cost of installing these type of um, facilities. So, but to answer your question directly, it's um, it's probably um, let me just kind of math. It's probably about fifty thousand a door in the um, in the investment of of like infrastructure for the actual bore fields and the distribution of that, um, and so it's it, it is more expensive than your traditional delivery of, of gas and things like that. The payoff comes when you're spending half of your normal utility bill for the next 30 years. And um, on that one slide, you had one car per park, uh, one car per unit. Yep. And I said on demand afterwards. Would you explain that? Yeah. So, so the idea is is this built on a, a concept that um, over the next twenty to twenty five years, our relationships with cars might change in a dramatic way. And so the the goal would be to satisfy the one demand, one unit or one one car per unit on site, and then aggregate all of those extra car parking spaces in some aggregated car parking lots. That if our theory around um, the changing nature of, of our relationship with cars, meaning we may not all have two to three cars at any given time, um, then those may become development opportunities in the future. And so the, the idea is, is that you, you we're trying to plan for now, but not overbuilding the parking, which is a huge use of land. So is there a difference between say the row home parking and the single family home parking? There could be more. And just would make sense that if you had a two bedroom, three bedroom unit, you're gonna have, wanna have two cars. And so many service people in this town who have a, a truck or something they need as well. Mom needs a van. Yeah. It just makes sense that um, one isn't, uh, I just don't get that reasoning. I've got a similar question, Jason, about the um, the cost per unit uh, in, in the first neighborhood. Do you have a rough estimate of that? And I have a second part that I'll get to if you, if you can answer. Um, I don't have a, a rough estimate at the moment. And you, we talked about geothermal, but that uh, also leads me to my next questions about um, you know battery charging stations, um, prohibiting natural gas. I, I've heard that that's that's uh, you know preventing natural, natural gas hookups in um, Brown Ranch is gonna be the case as well. Um, if geothermal doesn't happen or can happen only part of the development, what's the alternative gonna be? I mean, my, my electric bill was four times my natural gas bill and I have natural gas in my home here. So 
when you talk about affordability, it has to include the utility costs to families as well. Yep. And if we're hedging our bets on geothermal, that's going to happen. Um, we might be setting ourselves up for failure there. Is there a question? Yeah, I'm just wondering what, I guess my question would be, what uh, what concessions or exceptions would there be to the Climate Action Plan adhering to that in order to make the housing development and the long-term sustainability, economic sustainability for uh, affordability of paying utility bills? Um, what, what concessions would be willing to be made? Now, that's probably not a question for you, but more for uh, county commissioners in the city of Steamboat. But yeah, those are things that people are thinking about. Right? Yeah, I mean, we're we're investing in the geothermal system for for a couple of reasons. One, because it it has that ability to deliver the long term affordability and reliability that we're looking for. Um, we already have a five million dollar grant to install the first bit of infrastructure, so the cost that ends up getting passed on to the end user from the upfront cost is already significantly lower. Um, and then there's that direct pay from the from the uh, treasury. And so, um, you know, from our standpoint, it, it's, really a, it's really a question of like, we think this is the best investment that we can be making in, in delivering reliability and long-term affordability. And, and you know, it, we're building a, a project that's a large enough scale that, um, you know, I, I don't see a scenario where, um, you know, we're gonna ultimately, you know, realize geothermal as a concept doesn't work. Um, you know, we're, we're hiring the best, the best groups to come in and, and do this type of work. Okay. Um, one more question I have. Um, I work with the, closely with the school district and um, they have a hard time keeping teachers employed because they can't afford to live here. Same with paraprofessionals. Um, and the same goes for many of the frontline workers, you know, firefighters, uh, police officers, sheriff's department. Has there been discussions about prioritizing the first phase of housing for government workers and frontline workers like those folks to ensure that we have that personnel infrastructure maintained, especially our children um, teaching our kids right now? Yeah, for sure. Um, we, we've actually heard that a lot as we've been out talking to the community and listening. Um, and, and, you know, we talked about that kind of ongoing community engagement. I think that's from what we're hearing, that's probably the number one item that we need to figure out as a community of like, how do we allocate these units? Because we're not going to be able to build enough over the, you know, yes, building a hundred units a year over year will eventually get us to the point where we've satisfied a lot of the demand, but at any given point, there's going to be more demand than supply. And so how we allocate those is going to be really important. And um, I, I think it's going to take a broad community discussion about that because, you know, we meet with the teachers and they're like, yep, teachers need to be at the top of the list. And then we meet with, you know, the firefighters, like firefighters need to be at the top of the list. And, and I, I'm not comfortable personally just being the one who makes that call. Right. Um, and, and so uh, there's a lot to consider in sure. that. But I do think that that's going to be a really critical point. And other communities that have been in this position have done the same thing. They've had weighted lotteries or things like that to say, yeah, first responders or teachers or whoever it might be that the communities decided are, they want to have first crack at these units, they get preference. Okay. I have one more question. Jason, I'll leave oh, to other people. <laughs> Jason uh, on the units, whether they be condo or single family homes that are not rented, 
but are sold, are they deed restricted? Yes. How is that managed? Housing Authority manages that. How? Okay. And it, the compliance is done on sale. And then, um, and then there's ongoing compliance. So like, you know, we wouldn't allow somebody to vacation rent. So if we found that they were, we could find them or something along those lines. And then the other, you know, there's some other qualification pieces that happen only at the time of sale. And you'll have the resources to follow up on the 2000 units that would be out there. Yep. Okay. Um, so I noticed in one of the responses from one of the other meetings, when you were talking about the area that's outside the urban growth boundary, that 114 acres or whatever it is that, um, that you said that there's this 20 year period where nothing's really gonna happen there outside of maybe trails and whatnot. Where did that 20 years come from? Just out um, of the blue or is it a it, set number? It was, it was more or less uh, a, a number that was based on what we thought the overall timeline to develop out the rest of the parcel was. Mm -hmm. And the, the belief was, is that we wanted to give the folks in, in our positions now, 20 years from now, the, the choice to say, you know what, as a community, we need this land resource for X, Y, Z reason. We don't even know what those may be. We just wanted to just like hold it there in trust for the community. And no, I understand that concept. I just wondered where the 20 years came from. And really that's just an estimate on what you think that the build out for the rest of the development would be before you make a decision about that remainder. Yes. When you talk about deed restrictions, what kind of plans do you have in place for when those deed restricted units don't sell and you're coming back and asking, or someone's coming back and asking for those restrictions to be lifted because this has happened on other developments in the community. Yeah, yeah, we're, we're quite familiar with that. Um, no. The, uh, so we don't think that there's going to be a scenario where the housing authority would ever get rid of the deed restriction. We may amend deed restrictions as they, as a bit over time, but ultimately that's the, that's the mechanism that we, um, that we're using to protect the community's investment in these units to make them affordable long-term. Um, the, the experience that happened in 2008, um, where a lot of the units were taken offline and, and during that recession, market rate units, market rate, two bedrooms and deed restriction, two bedrooms were the exact same price. I don't suppose that without some catastrophic correction in the housing market right now, those two things would happen again. And so the housing authority would be the agency that would have to field those questions. I think we're, we're committed to the long-term in this. So I don't see us really having much desire to get rid of deed restrictions. Um, and, and I also, I also believe that, we have such a gap between deed restricted market and the actual market that there's always going to be demand for those units. There's, I think there'll always be demand. I think the deed restrictions have an effect of removing that vehicle of true wealth accumulation. It's, it's really the only way that the lower and middle class have an opportunity to get in that same game. And when those, when those units are restricted, I just, it's happened here over the last 20 something years yep. where that we get those removed. And then 
like I love the optimism and the utopian Ooh. ideals, right? From a planning standpoint, you being a previous planner, this project is for you almost of a lifetime type of achievement and generational for the city. I like the aspirational qualities of it, but we have to at least factor in at some point, there will be a correction. The last time that things became affordable in this Valley was because of a correction. And, you know, that delay that occurred by 2013, my house, the taxable value on my house was down to under a hundred thousand dollars. And now it's swinging, you know, wildly in the opposite direction, but to not anticipate those types of things happening and how you're going to be leveraged against it so that it doesn't end up costing. Because when we say community, the word I get from the housing authority with community is steamboat. Up here, when we say community, it's about the entire county. And I said this at the meeting in Oak Creek, this project has the potential to stifle growth in other municipalities significantly and have major impacts on that and especially to our school districts like south route school district which you know is hanging on by a thread and so i'm i'm very concerned about the how this is going to work in the future it's not as much as a question um other than the deed restriction um can you talk about that right now steamboat I've heard some numbers thrown out. There's a $600 per resident shortfall in services funding approximately. Mm -hmm. And that's made up by sales tax right now. Is that what? Yep. So essentially outlying communities and visitors are subsidizing services for residents of the city of Steamboat Springs. Nailed it. I have some issues with that. <laughs> I mean, it's just, you know, I, I one of the things that I think gets overlooked a lot is the impact of outlying communities that we actually have on the economics and how Steamboat functions. Um, and so the, the STR tax, is that only dedicated to Brown Ranch or can that be used in other um projects so the the part that was voted on by by voters this past year 75 percent of the proceeds will go to brown ranch that is dedicated right now as a fixed number yep um the city controls the remaining 25 percent so like let's say <laughs> overlook park right next door right yep private development 118 lots plus or minus coming online could they apply for STR tax to offset housing? I suppose the city hasn't created their process for applying for STR funds yet. So I don't know what that's going to look like, mm -hmm. um, but conceivably, yeah, they, they could. Okay. So, so do currently your, your deed restrictions, are they perpetual? Yes. Have you considered making them something less than perpetual to get to some of the questions that were here? That if somebody comes into this community and lives here for 20 or 25 years yep. and helps service the community as a teacher, a firefighter, maybe they the community has an investment back in them that they chose to stick around and help us out. Yeah, I 
your point is really well taken. We've we've spent a lot of time thinking about this, and and what we've essentially the conclusion is is that you cannot simultaneously promote wealth building and maintaining a, and maintain affordability with the unit. So you have to decouple those two things. And so the the plan that we have is that your wealth building opportunities are likely to come from basically forgivable down payment loans and your maintaining of affordability happens with the appreciation cap of the unit. I think Brian has a point though, that there could be some vehicle by which long-term residents got to achieve both. And in the end still achieve the goal, the long-term goal of what you're trying to achieve. Cause, cause even if we have let, you know, if we have less money on a down payment, that money just goes to the groceries, to the utilities, because all those prices remain highest in the nation status. And so that in our, our current model, that is really, well, the only form of actually building wealth is you have a rolling market too, because if you've got a 20 or 25 year build out, you're still toward the tail end of that going to have some deed restricted property. So they would coming be, back but, online. But aren't, yes, you confusing exactly. the, aren't you confusing somewhat the purpose of, project and that is to get people into homes that's really the priority that's what you're trying to accomplish you're up front the west building is a different animal let me let me interject with a lesson that that is to be learned from aspen they built a lot of affordable housing as steve suggested to get people into housing they put restrictions on equity returns 30 plus years later those people sought to retire and has been pointed out, they didn't have any, I wouldn't call it wealth accumulation. They didn't have any equity accumulation. They would have been more than happy to go buy a condo and move to Arizona, but they couldn't afford it because they had nothing in the house, right? And so, or the, or the condos, the case may be. So therefore, not being able to sell, they stayed there. In the meantime, you, you then had their replacement as a workforce with no place to go. So then they had to go build still more housing. So what you do is create this continuous flow of supplying, as Steve said, immediate needs for housing because you can't get the people in the housing to leave the housing other than virtually by death or necessity because they don't have any equity. They can't afford to go anywhere else. And that's a lesson that's been clearly demonstrated in Aspen and the Roy Fork Valley. And it is a genuine issue of concern in the longer term. We have a short-term need clearly, but in the longer term, that's a real need. Uh, they considered things like buying those people out. If you would, if you sought to retire and you're going to move to Arizona, it's going to cost us seven hundred fifty thousand to build a new unit. We'll give you two hundred fifty thousand for your yours. Now with your thirty five thousand worth of equity over twenty five years, you can move to Arizona. But then that met with all kinds of oh no, windfall profits for all these people, et cetera, and <clears throat> had limited success from the public standpoint. But it is an issue that I think needs to be considered in the longer term, as you pointed out. And there's no way what you're, I mean, having been here 50 years and, you know, I'm looking at property, my folks bought up in Laurel Lane, bought second lot for $2,500. Right. The lot is like, you know, 800000 or something just right. for the lot. Right. That's market. We're not talking that, but we're talking somewhere in between where somebody might come in and be willing to invest the next 20 or 25 years of their life here if they had something out the rear end. People crunch the numbers, you know, they, yeah, they might come on here for two or three or five years and be a teacher or a police officer or sheriff's department, 
but unless there's something in, in it for them longer term, they, they won't buy in. Do you have any statistics or any, well, you should have some history. How long are these, the occupied units staying with the original occupier or whatever? I mean, is there turnover? I mean, do they stay there forever? I, I'm thinking about what Jim is saying. Yeah. Um, have you not been around long enough to figure that out yet? I mean, I, I, I don't have that like right at my fingertips right now to tell you what that is. It's, um, we have seen turnover because we manage all the deed restrictions. And so we, we, qualify people who want to buy new deed restrictions that are being sold. Um, so uh, I don't have an answer to that, but um, we've seen some, some movement, even when, um, you know, many folks haven't had a, anywhere to go to. Right. Um, so I, I don't, I don't know whether we'll get to the point that Jim's talking about. Yeah. Um, and um, I, I think that the concepts that you guys are talking about are in line with this sort of like, again, this allocation question of like, okay, if we're getting these units out to people, how can we make sure that it's really beneficial to them? Um, and maybe a, a secondary question um, that comes to that. And how do we balance this need to maintain affordability with the desire to help the individual family? Are you welcome? The open space you mentioned 45% plus or minus parks. Yep. Um, is there a build out of parks that the developer will be doing? Yeah. So, so the housing authority and our partners are, are responsible for essentially half of the parks, um, the smaller parks that are, um, they're kind of in the hatched green on there. And then the larger, lime green colored ones are the ones that are responsible for the city to build out. And then the dark green one is the sports barn. Other developers are faced with those costs up front. Anyone who wants to build or anyone who does a housing development has to build out all of their parks and their infrastructure. Like that's an upfront cost. And it's often been quoted as a reason why, you know, that fights against affordability. Yeah. The very, the very the city of Steamboat Springs community development plan in its vision, again, very utopian, trying to create this perfect world, but has caused a rise in project costs, other than the fact that we just live in an extremely expensive and desirable place to live in. And so, like one of my concerns with this project is, is that other people who develop, other local companies. And investors who who take on development have access to, you you know you guys are being held to that same standard, and I understand that it can be, maybe we can look at it and say, if we let them not have to do this, it might help drive the cost down. But then we have to be able to do that for everyone that comes to the table, whose stated goal is to provide some type of affordable housing. So, you know, achieving that equity of development is kind of important, I think, that private developers, you, you're, you're basically like getting put in competition with private development utilizing subsidized funds. I mean, because this is an annexation, we are going well above and beyond what's required within the city. 
for parks dedication, open space dedication, um, delivering on you know affordable housing, those types of things. We're okay with that. We want to build a really nice community, and so um, I don't necessarily. We we didn't ask the city for any concessions on these types of things. Um, you know, we weren't asking them to say, "Oh no, we only want half the parks that you would require elsewhere." This amount of parks, if you were to develop in the city, it's not required. You're required to provide three percent of your land area as parks. So this is like this is held to a completely different standard than what you would see in the city right now. And your concept, because of the size of land, the concept, you're almost taking a land preservation subdivision approach to a community development by having focused areas of development with larger areas of open space to preserve the agricultural feel of the existing property. And the desire within Route County is to preserve those open spaces. We find them to be integral to the value of the intrinsic value of what we live here versus the material value of why we live. So right now you guys aren't getting any special concessions. You're being you're at, it's not you're being held to the same standards, and in most instances you're you're attempting to surpass expectations and standards. Yep. Okay. Is the annexation agreement completed? <laughs> no. Not um, quite. So the we have an agreed annexation agreement with the city. The city um, council passed the annexation ordinance, and then it was referred to a ballot by uh, referendum. So that vote will be the determining yeah. factor. Yeah. And that's a vote strictly for the citizens of this of steamboat, you know, not well, for the citizens. Of the None of us yeah. can vote on it. Yeah, I, I live in Silver Spur. I'm not allowed to, right? yeah. I'm not allowed to vote. So along that same line, um, with that referendum for the vote on the 26th of March, uh, that's obviously a delay. And some of the grants that you've had pending the uh, annexation are time sensitive, has that put those grants at risk and is that gonna create any any gaps that uh, that um, that you're concerned about? At the moment, they're they're not at risk. Um, I don't know what would happen if if we were to have to kind of go back to the drawing board. Well, in in theory, you could submit an application to the county. You could turn around and instantly the day after, if you lost the annexation vote, submit a <laughs> conforming application to Route County. It's true. That's why it's being nice. So what do you do for sewer water? <laughs> well, it, 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 it begs that we have to be careful in our questioning. Towards the sewer and water company. The, the sewer, you can still get a, they, you sure. can still get an agreement to have city services. Sure. We have smaller subdivisions that the city said should not be annexed, but they still sold them utilities. Yeah. They, I just thought I'd ask the question. Yeah, yeah. 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 There, there's a reason that we haven't received that application. <laughs> sure. that, that possibility still exists. Absolutely, one hundred percent. You have every right to take that same exact all the work you've done and fill out the paperwork, pay the fee, and go through the process just like anybody else. Um, and so that's why some of our questions about just <laughs> 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 
I, I'd personally be surprised to see the annexation fail. Uh, I, and I know you, you're limited in your answering on that, but the the opposition is extremely disorganized. We decided we were staying away from politics. Yeah. Yeah. Politics. I'm just talking the possibility of it returning to our arena. Jason, um, two questions. During the annexation agreement, did it ever get communicated of there's just a city vote as opposed to a city and a county vote? I'm assuming it did not because it's just annexation into the city, but I just wanted clarification on that. Yeah, no, there was no real mechanism to create a countywide vote, okay. um, primarily because the the referendum is essentially a function of the city's charter. Gotcha. Uh -huh. I assume that we just wanted clarification. Number two, what is the latest update from your seats on Proposition HH? Uh, I have no That's idea. It. Gone, gone? I, I don't think I thought it's still coming back to the floor. I thought it was done. I think it's gone, gone, gone and there That's he inevitable. didn't he appoint this massive committee to study how to revise yeah, the taxes? That's correct. I'm not sure. Yeah, no, I, I, I don't it's gone. I thought it was still coming up in 2024. Yeah. No, I think there's a big committee. That's supposed to come up with recommendations of how to fix the as opposed to commercially. Yeah, it's a, I I couldn't find anything that it was finalized, but oh, I think yeah, I even think names have been. No, there was an article in the paper about it Tuesday, I think it oh, was. Yeah, I mean, there was like a forty thousand dollar write off for up to a certain value. And then there were some other things that came out of that special session. It wasn't, it wasn't HH. No, HH, I think it's dead, dead, dead. Yeah, but there okay. something did come out of the special session. I just can't remember what it was, gotcha. the details of it. The housing authority boundaries are not the city of Steamboat Springs boundaries, correct? Correct. We actually have a slide on that. Yeah, she had it. It is the greater Steamboat Springs area. And so is Silver is Silver Spur in? True. It looks yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But three things. And are taxes That's potentially it. collected? They are. Yep. But those people don't have a, a vote. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. Just from a from a, a process standpoint. Okay. I, I don't. We don't pay city property taxes. No, seem both. No, but you still pay a housing authority. <laughs> and so do I. And you yeah. know, just being south, but that's the irony. We're affected. Yeah. Well, that's but have that, no have no vote. That's the the that thing about that that word community. It it really resonated in the Oak Creek presentation that it wasn't about the greater Route County community, which this project definitely will have impact. And and but because of process, because of the way that these things work, that's that's why it's ending up that the demand for employment and what across the city. So. I mean, I, I totally get that argument as to why it makes sense to centralize that development. Again, I think it be it it impacts development. Say in Oak Creek, like, <clears throat> we don't have that. the The resources that are going to be dedicated to this are going to essentially say that Oak Creek will not have any growth or will be more challenged or will be financially more expensive because 
this project is going to use the concrete, the asphalt, all of those things that would go to somebody else. They have a big enough power that they can get all of the resources and then other developers don't have that same access to the product or they have to pay a premium for it. These are very real possible impacts that could occur. And again, like the, the impact to our school district, if another school gets built in Steamboat Springs and siphons off more of our students, it, it's, it's a big, huge impact to those outlying communities which have been identified in our update of our master plan as areas where growth should also be directed to. And so, you know, not hurting opportunities for these communities to experience some of the growth. Because in the last 20 something years, Oak Creek is basically hovered at the same level. Mm -hmm. We've seen, we've been as high as a thousand and as low as 750, but we've been right in that range the entire time. And this, this project has that potential to further push that develop that that growth for for the outlying communities, which we desperately need to upgrade our infrastructure and our schools. As we're about to hear the town of Yampa. Yes. So unless there are other questions. Right. I'm looking at the clock at six. Yeah. I've, got, get this I've got one more. Okay. Um, Jason, we've I've heard a lot of complaints about you're asking for too much at this time. Why don't you just annex phase one and do phase one and then come back and annex the rest of it? Could you explain just the y'all's thought process behind going for the home run instead of just the single? Yeah, so the the, the decision was was essentially that of the, the steering committee that we put together to, to help kind of craft the, the um, vision for Brown Ranch and and they spent a lot of time talking about exactly that. Um, and, and ultimately they said, okay, what's the demand? And how long do you think it's gonna to take to build this out? And, and that's what we designed for. Um, basically like we designed for what we think the demand's gonna be by 2040. And so you need that much space to develop the supply that's necessary for just the steamboat based demand. So that's 80% of the route county demand. Um, and, and so that's, that was the thinking behind it. Okay. That, don't you think that's based on people's perceptions or misunderstandings versus you know, the phasing aspects of it? And again, the eternal optimism of being able to deliver all these units in 20 years which could very likely be 40 years, just based on how hard it is to even just anything <clears throat> done here in the Valley. Like the fears of growth and stuff, I think are somewhat, they're a valid concern, but they're a misunderstanding of how communities grow over decades versus actually like in such a short period of time. Sure, and I think everyone in this room understands that development is done in phases. It's not, you're not going and building all 420, building out all 420 acres in that first five years. The public doesn't understand that. The public sees 420 acres. They don't necessarily dig down into the details, say, oh, well, phase one's only going to be this amount and phase two is going to be this amount. They see the entire thing. So I just, uh, my perception is it might've been an easier sell to the public if it were smaller but that's that's the need to hear there 
Any other comments or questions for Jason? Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thank, thank you. Thanks, much. sir. Thank you. We appreciate your time. I really appreciate the opportunity. Thanks. Thanks and obviously, you're available Thanks for questions offline yes. and online and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Reach out to us. We have, uh, you guys have all of our We have some uh, additional literature courses. Um, Robin will pass out um, a bit of information, and there's there's ways to contact us there. Thank you. Good. Great. Thanks. Thank you. I think it was in your packets, but so it's printed out. Hey, Steve. Thank you. Five minutes to ditch. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, plates and stuff yeah, like yeah. That. no. Thank you. Great. I'm not panicking. I just didn't want to. Right. Thank you. No, no. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, no, I was supposed to meet with them. Oh, I was supposed to meet with them near town. Dance. Oh, I asked him. No, I asked him. He canceled. Did not. I was just gonna. Be more. I talked to understand which was the But no, go ahead. We got time. I'm not panicking. Actually, get rid of the dirty dishes, right? So what's please the right? That's right. <laughs> Which I I asked him that today in the meeting. Well, we're working right now on getting the referendum to pass. After that, we'll, we'll listen to the community. So that's not quite. I mean, I have something. I think having a, the idea. I think we discussed it. Okay. Rick, when we have a bunch of them, mm -hmm. uh, do that phase one, and then maybe consider selling the rest of it or part right. of the rest of it right. to, uh, just to transportation authority or something. But well, one of the things that I advocated was that the whole community should not be a full model. Then forevermore, so we someday finish that one of the because you're going to learn about the public Yeah, they can be staring, great flow, or they Second thing you can do anything if you want to go spend 50 million dollars build a 10 story tower that's fine you can do that it's not a physical yeah. thing okay. well so i guess it's what it's they got the retail of the middle of the I thought they were bringing the proposition HH to was the feed. I thought they were bringing, trying to bring that back to the floor in the next legislative. So, 
policy committed that committee represented all classes. you know, and, and just and and, and I'm only and I only I just want to worry about so you know this, but one thing we didn't have any and he's a good guy, like I said, he's really education, but he's degree was basic administration public yes funding. But how are these things funded? What are the implications? I've learned more from Andy about the greater regional impacts than I ever did with the senior. And and what it touched on is absolutely right. This actually is an adverse impact in most communities. Potentially, but here's a better way to address this. And greatly enhanced and improved. That's it. People would live in Oak Creek, they would live in Hayden. Right. Well, that's not like where's my Wilbur? Where's my flying? <laughs> that's, that's right. The generation has solar powers. I drank lots of wine on a train in Europe going all over the place. They're fantastic. I lived in Boston, had an incredible public transport. You're you're talking about metropolitan developments, regional and all that. But they did that. The Roaring Fork Valley has got like a world class strength. Oh, yeah. How is it? Those were funded spring. Well, they started with um, back when I was in college. That's it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We did the world class. Those buses. Sorry, you ready? Oh, I am indeed. In a minute, full capacity. Did you say yes? I said I am. Oh, I'm sorry. It's coming along at a certain point. The light changes, so the bus doesn't even have to stop the light. We're after. If we're ready, I'm going to call it. Uh, before I start the meeting, we call to order a couple of odds and ends specifically related to housekeeping. Um, number one, the proceedings this evening have been published in the newspaper. They have been posted outside the door, and they've also been uh, published on the Route County website for those that are meeting in person. Ta-da! <laughs> um, Marianne, did you sign in? Marianne. Marianne, did you sign Yeah, okay, good. Thank you. Because I know who she is. Perfect. I actually suppose can dispense with a lot of that. That's um, Christy. Are, do we? Is it just Christy that's on Zoom, it, Sarah? It a, it's uh, me, and uh, there is another caller um, listening in. Okay. Uh, for those that are on Zoom, we'd appreciate it if you would keep yourselves on mute, mute at until such point in time you wish to speak. 
Uh, and when you do wish to speak, we'd appreciate it if you use the hand function at the bottom of the Zoom screen. And if it's not, it's not working, I'd say just feel free to interrupt us. It works. <laughs> uh, having said that, I'd like to call to order the Thursday, February 15th meeting of the Route County Planning Commission. Sarah, if you would be so kind as to call the roll. Sure. Steve Warnke. Yes. Brian Kelly. Yes. Andrew Benjamin. Here. Linda Miller. Here. Bill Norris. Uh, Greg Yaker. Jim DeFrancia. Present. Red Martin. Present. Paul Weiss. Here. And Pete Woods. Here. Perfect. We have a quorum. Um, with that, First order of business is the approval of minutes from December 7th, 2023. Are there any additions or corrections to those minutes? Move the approval of the minutes of December 7th, 2023. Thank you, Jim. You have a second. You got a stop. You got a stop. I know. Okay. We have a motion. That was rude. What an honor for We have a motion. All those in favor, please say yes. Yes. Opposed say no. Motion is carried. Minutes from December 21st. Same question. Any changes or deletions or additions? I move the approval of minutes of December 21st, 2020. Thank you, Jim. Now, second. I wasn't going to help her out. <laughs> <laughs> All those we have a motion in the second. All those in favor, yeah. All those in favor of the motion, please signify by saying yes. Yes, yes. Both yes. say no. Motion is carried. And lastly, the minutes from January 8th, 2024. I move we approve the minutes from January 8th, 2024. Thank you, Brian. Second. <laughs> gotcha. We have a motion in the second again. All those in favor of the minutes, approving the minutes from. January 8th, 2024, please signify by saying yes. Yes. Opposed say no, motion is carried. <laughs> Moving on, public comment. Anyone who wishes to address the commissioners on anything this evening that is not on the agenda, now would be the time to do so. Hearing and seeing none, we'll move on to the next item. Consent agenda, as you're all aware, unless there is some reason that you need to delve into, I have specific, or yeah, specific questions. I'll entertain a motion to approve the consent agenda. So moved. Second. Thank you, Brian. Thank you, Jim, for a second. All those in favor of approving the consent agenda, signify by saying yes. Yeah, yes. yes. Opposed say no. Motion is carried. Next item on the agenda we've all been waiting for. Oh, I mean, there's a purpose of being here. Yes, exactly. To approve the minutes. Hi, Mary Alice. What would you like us to bring up for you? Um, the the map. Land use map. We're talking about it right now. Okay. Alan, do you have it or do you want me to bring it up? Mm -hmm. I have it. I need to get to it, but I can. I got it. Is it up on the screen for everybody? Yep. yep. And we have it here, do we not? Yeah. Yeah, it's the second attachment under the, the agenda. Yep. 
So you ready for me? We are. Proceed, please. So um, today I'm working for Yampa. <laughs> and um, uh, I'm going to start at the kind of the back end of this um, the, and tell you the reason that um, I'm here on behalf of the town of Yampa is to um, have the planning commission buy in, approve, adopt um, the uh, newly minted Yampa comprehensive plan as a sub area plan to the uh, new Lab County master plan and replace um, the one that was done in 1997. Um, took us 25 years to do a new one. Um, and to, by virtue of adopting it as a sub-area plan, um, having the planning commission, the county planning commission, um, acknowledge that it provides a uh, guide for future development um, as, and I'm contrary to maybe what you said, Andy, as uh, Yampa invariably grows. <laughs> um, That's funny. <laughs> um, you know, it, it's it's been in a holding pattern for quite a while, and we're, we're doing a lot of things. At any rate, we went through a pretty robust public process and um, community effort uh, in 2023. And we had a lot of buy-in from the community. Um, and, you know, I, I guess I measure the buy-in from the community and the attention that it got was um, we have a five-member town board that was also the Board of Adjustment, was also the Planning Commission. A um, little hard to um, call to order three different bodies when you're talking to the same five people. but. As an outcome of this process, we just recently seated a seven-member um, planning commission. And so there was a lot of interest in um, going through this process. So um, there is also in your, your materials the three-mile plan that is um, part of any comprehensive plan in the, in the state. And um, the... Uh, but really where the, the crux of things um, come from uh, as far as how it impacts the county are these gray areas that are shown on the three-mile focus area. Um, those are areas of the community that have been highlighted for uh, as growth areas. Um, some of them um, were included in the 1997 uh, master plan, specifically the 40-acre tract to the west um, of, of town, west of the Snowden subdivision. Um, but uh, after looking at uh, and having the community provide um, their impact, we've the number 10 site is the uh, Forest Service. And uh, uh, the town's water tank is directly west of that. Those are those are maybe not necessarily uh, developable areas, but they are growth areas. And the Forest Service has indicated that you know, while a large part of the southern area is uh, slope inhibited, there are things that they want to do that um, really they should be within um, 
the purview of the town. We already supply them water and sewer. So it's, um, it's that. Um, the east side of the tracks um, are uh, uh, areas that we are looking at for non-residential growth. If you go back to the future land use map, you'll see that those areas are the traditional purple for light industrial areas. Those areas are currently um, agricultural areas. Um, there's some um, inhibiting factors there of the Bear River before it becomes the Yampa. It doesn't become the Yampa until it gets a little bit further north. Um, but it is our, our area of um, uh, that we're looking at for some of that light industrial and uh, potential commercial growth. The south area is um, also an agricultural area, but nine acres of that property owner's property is already within the town limits. So it's split by, by jurisdiction. Um, it's also uh, uh, an area that uh, we can easily serve within um, the uh, capacity of our existing infrastructure systems. We have capacity. Me, when you talk about the south area, that's the green area I'm looking at? No, it's the south area. It's striped, yellow striped. Uh, yeah, right there. Got it. And um, OK, uh, oh, I see it now. Yeah, we uh, we have the infrastructure capacity um, with regard to water and sewer to serve twice the capacity that we are currently serving. Granted, we're a community of 500 people. Uh, twice is not that big, but um, uh, it is something that would make our uh, water and sewer infrastructure more affordable if we were sharing the functions of those plants uh, more broadly um, throughout the community. Um, the striped areas are kind of overlay areas. We Those are special areas of consideration. They other than that southern, very southern piece are already within the, the town limits. But um, our downtown, we are the only community in Route County that doesn't have a highway going through the middle of it. <laughs> We're block off the highway and that it brings its own challenges. It's kind of nice um, as far as quietude goes, but it brings its own challenges. Um, our central uh, business district is, um, we, we need to be careful about what we do on the highway to make sure that we uh, support um, that central business district. Um, some of the conversation that I heard earlier, um, we did do an economic demand study. We did look at the impacts of Brown Ranch and uh, what we could do for housing and what we, what we needed to. We did a very extensive um, uh, economic development study. It was a big part of this master plan that we looked at those, those aspects of things. And um, we feel pretty good that we could absorb 10 units a year, easily 10 units a year. And in um, 10 years, that's 100 units. And that's where we want to see the town go to and we can financially manage it, our infrastructure can handle it and we can still protect the integrity of the culture and um, uh, of, of the community as a whole. How many units are you doing now? Um, well, we've done three units in the last three years 
And um, we have some transition pieces um, uh, that uh, we call catalyst sites. Uh, most of them are those uh, growth areas. And then there's some redevelopment pieces within the, the community as it, uh, as it sits. If you've been in town, you'll see some of the um, what I'll call antiquated housing areas that are going to see some transition. There's just they're going to they're going to be ash soon, so they need to. We have a uh, landowner on the south side of Moffat Avenue next to the Antlers that um, has made a commitment to rebuild. Um, we're looking at a mixed-use development in there that will have up to six of those ten units that we're um, talking about. Um, happening in the town. And there was a lot of concern in the town that we maintained um, architectural integrity. So we'll, we'll, we'll be incorporating in our soon to be updated uh, zoning and subdivision code uh, process of 2024. Uh, we'll be uh, implementing some design standards that again, protect the integrity and look at the, the town. So, um, uh, I noticed earlier that it, uh, the Brown Ranch said the town of Oak Creek got funding for a housing needs assessment. It's actually a coalition of all of the South Route, um, uh, both towns, the school district, the fire district, the health service district. It's a partnership there. Uh, we are all participating in that housing needs assessment and it will be a South Route housing needs assessment. That being said, um, we all have different um, uh, aligned, but different um, uh, demands and needs. Um, and there'll be um, some uh, focus on uh, what each individual entity needs, but it is a collective effort um, that the town of Oak Creek is overseeing and managing um, as the fiscal agent, as well as one of the partners. Does it also include then Peeberg? Yes, so it, it will, it, it follows, the IGA that we've been working on shows a uh, influence area of the South Red School District. So that's everything from basically Arrowhead um, as you come into the canyon, all the way to uh, just north of McCoy, the mm -hmm. part of the Eagle County School District that is in Brett County is not included in that boundary. But, we're, we're, we're looking at it all. And going back to um, the demand study that we looked at for commercial industrial square footage and housing units um, will be part of a, a What's pretty- What's the timeline for that we, we should be, we'll kick it off um, uh, next Thursday. Um, the uh, consultant has been selected and uh, the uh, grant awards have been made. In place. So we are right there. And how long do you We should be done at the end of the year, I'm hoping. Uh, same thing with the um, town of Yampa's uh, uh, zoning and code, uh, subdivision code update. Um, that'll probably be done early part of 2025 before we get the funding pieces put into uh, place. So there's kind of a overview of, of what we've done, what we've accomplished, and I'll go back to where I started. 
We're looking for the county to uh, be a partner in the effort that we went through with the comp plan and integrated into the county's master plan by virtue of um, authorizing the resolution that was in your uh, packet uh, that mirrors uh, the resolutions that I'm familiar with anyways, um, as uh, other jurisdictions master plans become part of the county's master plan. So I've talked enough. Do you have anything that you'd like some feedback on or plan? Did you take a time to take a look at it? Is there a house on the northwestern green parcel at 48? That's 49. No, that is uh, an agricultural field. And if you look into the details of the master plan, uh, the integrity of the view corridor and the agricultural use in that is uh, slated for retention and protection. And it's earmarked for cluster development in the northwest corner of it. I went through it. Um, I scanned through it. I didn't take it word for word. And it was easy to tell that you put a lot of time into it. And there was a lot of thinking and um, energy that went into it. Um, so yeah, I'm stoked to see it, personally. Um, Alan, does staff have input into this? or any comments that we need to be sensitive to or aware of, or both? I'm gonna default that question to Christy. Yeah, so in your packet, um, I'll bring it up. I think I have it. Um, if you recall, you all got an email. We got a request um, for a referral um, during the middle, I guess it was April-ish of last year um, during the community outreach. And so staff did review the plan. And this was the memo that was sent on behalf of the county. And this was sent to all of you, as well as the Board of County Commissioners on behalf of the county to Tampa um, on the actual um, overall plan. And the consensus was that the plan in substantial conformance with the master plan that we adopted. Um, you know, and then through time, you know, Mary Alice and I have been discussing, you know, just process on these sub area plans. And um, I think we agreed that a presentation earlier or during the process um, would be more beneficial. This is a little retroactive, but still the fact that we did have an opportunity to comment and we saw no um, reason to move forward in this fashion to recognize it as a sub area plan. Um, from, so from a staff standpoint, uh, we are in support, um, which is put on the agenda. And we just thought it would be nice to have a formal presentation um, for you all to consider tonight. I so procedurally, you. that would be um, similar to a master plan process where you all would <clears throat> be adopting this and there will be a presentation to the Board of County Commissioners as well. Um, and it is scheduled for then ratification upon your recommendation for adoption. And, and with <clears throat> this, is there a, a place to sort of retroactively link this to, you know, links in the um, 
route county master plan to this plan? What I've seen is um, like what, what you've done with Hayden, um, the Hayden three mile plan is in there. Yeah. One of the plans on the website and I, I would expect that this um, could hold that same kind do of we have, slot. Can we do that to the master plan without going in and having a process? Sure. Yeah, I just wondered how, you know, just the... I think that that can be done. It's discussed under the, I think it's chapter three under like the process and how the plan works in relation to our sub area plans. And yeah, I think so we could just minor fix. This. Yeah. Okay. And then also we'll update our website um, and, and things like that. So um, I think we'd be in good shape. So commissioners, do you have any questions for Mary Alice? I do. Relates to uh, number one, MA, congrats on getting back to your 1980 population. <laughs> um, refresh my poor memory. When the Royal burnt down, that owner donated it to the town. How did that? Um, gave it to the county to facilitate the cleanup of the site. Um, the county um, did deed that property to the town um, in 2022, and um, you'll you'll see we, the funding sources that we use really um, wanted us to look at the economic development side of things as well as the land use side of the equation. So um, we we did both, and uh, you'll see a, a pretty comprehensive schematic of the direction that we want to see that that site go to um, and it may incorporate some of the adjacent property that is in transition at this point as well um, but uh, it is a town-owned property at this point um, we've got several other things infrastructure wise to accomplish we'll we'll be doing the collection system upgrade um, in 2024, we have a new wastewater treatment plant that deployed in 2025. We have a failing distribution system. While we have a brand new water plant, the distribution system needs some attention after about 50, 60 years. Um, so those things are happening first. But if we had somebody show up with a, a public-private partnership, we'd be all over that What's the, and I'm just real quick, what's the latest with the Northrop property? Uh, it's for sale. That is, okay. Heard it's that probably, the other day. It's the Teresa. Or dwelling units. I had not heard that she passed. So. Yeah, both, both parents yeah, yeah. are gone. It's just now, and uh, it just went on the market last week. It is not listed. She doesn't want to list it. She wants to do both herself. Yeah, I saw the first show. So. Yeah. Can you go back to the, there was that map with land ownership that. Oh, the, the, yeah. these here. Yeah. yeah. A lot of uh, long-term names up there. Yeah. Yep. You, what's your feeling on buy-in from those parties versus the utopian ideal of a future land use map? You know, as are these parties uh, agreeable to development occurring, or are they just seeing their land putting color blocks over the top of it? They were part of this conversation. Um, 
please do not take the one through 11 numbering as a priority list. Um, there, um, you know, there's some uh, outholdings, particularly those that we already serve with um, water and sewer. That would be um, the ones on the very southeast kind of corner across from the Sinclair. They're on the west side of the highway, but we, we already serve those with water and sewer, as well as, um, this is Christie's and my favorite property, the Agner Mobile Home Park. Um, I actually have the application materials for annexation on my desk. They're just not complete. That's perfect. I was totally going to ask you to give an update on that. <laughs> um, yeah, it'll become the bane of my existence instead of ours. Um, but uh, that one is going to is going to come in um, uh, soon. A lot of hand holding on that one. Do you serve that with water and sewer? Water? Okay. Yeah, okay. and I would imagine that. Um, in the not too distant future, we will see the southern block of property come in to um, some kind of development. Um, I would say that the depot belongs on the east side of the tracks, but uh, I think it's going to go to Phippsburg instead of here. Yeah, but but you're talking about the 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 southern property that's that's not within the city limit. Right, the the, it's, it's, it's the Corrigan property. Yeah. And um, I think that we'll see something happen, particularly in the North Nine Acres, um, uh, uh, before we will ever see anything happen with the Redmond property to the West. And frankly, it's, it's an issue of uh, ability to serve with um, minimized, uh, extension costs well and like you said that property and the like as flat as it is and desirable from a development standpoint that intrinsic value of the the view that is visible from that direction uh, yeah. yeah i mean the redmonds have long stated that they feel like they're one of the last kind of i don't want to say a barrier to development but they kind of hold back maybe some of those larger land purchases that have been occurring a little bit further south and west of them and their properties extend further to the north as well um i, I think it, i think the plan overall is uh aspirational but yet attainable mm -hmm. you know it sets realistic goals um at first i felt like there was a little bit more uh, adversarial position from some of the town. Do you feel like that's kind of through the process mellowed out a little bit? Because I would have described Yampa as anti-growth. Well, and um, I would not disagree with them uh, with that statement to the extent of until it becomes my piece of property, I want to put an ADU in the back. Um, and um, through the process, people were you know, the, the codes just didn't allow anything. And um, it's uh, that whole community process gave um, a lot of opportunity to have those conversations with those longtime 
um, landowners and what it meant for them and how do we protect, you know, the integrity of the, um, the look and feel of Yampa, but still um, integrate 100 units over the next 10 years in there. Um, and, you know, whether they're ADUs or, or like the, the Antlers Hotel, you know, it's a mixed use and it still looks right and it still fits. And, um, uh, you know, there, there's ways to um, uh, get those things integrated. And that community process was, uh, <laughs> we mailed postcards for those, those things. Email doesn't work. Newsletter doesn't work. Posters don't, you mail them a postcard and you invite them to, and it, really? it really worked well. Well, yeah. famously, when I first was appointed to this commission, Dick Klumker was a member of this <laughs> commission. And he famously, at the start of what I would say, the restart of everywhere year for us, would make a motion to vacate the master plan and our <laughs> authority. <laughs> Well, yeah. On the regular. We used the 1982 zoning code and it was forced down their throats and it shows. Um, and it really hasn't moved any any further than that um, in uh, the last, what, is that 40 years? 42 years. Yeah, 40 years. Uh, so uh, we've come a long way, but yeah, it, it, it really truly um, ended up being a, a community-wide effort. And there still are some naysayers out there, but, uh, you know, it was a good community conversation. You seem pleased. I, I'm thrilled. You know, I, I've got the beginnings of something that can change the zoning code to something we can actually use instead of asking for a special exception every time. Mm -hmm. Well, you went through the process with Creek and... And Hayden. Our process that in the end, and that's that's the ultimate goal of what you're trying to achieve, um, is streamline the process, bring it up to date. And I think that this does all of that. And in general, I would support, um, you know, uh, bringing some of the fold of our master plan as a sub-area plan. I believe that our current master plan has the the language and the tools in place for us to um, include these sub-area plans as updates versus um, a full-on process where we have to seek re-adoption. Because the, the, the master plan already anticipates updates to these sub-area plans. So procedurally, Ellen, are we actually going to approve the resolution or are we just going to vote to approve it? You know what I'm saying? You're going to approve it and then the board is going to ratify it. Mm -hmm. Well, I just, I'm reading it in the way I read it. I'm not sure. We yeah, have a function tonight, and then the BCC comes up in what, the 27th? Yeah. I believe so. Well, there, okay. I think you what you're doing is adopting. Mm -hmm. No, we're adopting the yeah, approved the adoption. And they ratify. Yes. Yep. That sounds reasonable. That's the way the state was. Okay. And, and that's what was done with the Oak Creek plan. Be adopted and certified. So I, I still want to, is there any more discussion on or questions for Mary Alice before we move on to the next step, shall we say? Uh, and everyone has the resolution in front of them? It doesn't have a number on it. 
number 2024 P blank. So that's something that is assigned when the board ratifies it. Gotcha. So we just moved to approve the resolution. No, as you're moving to adopt. adopt. Adopt the resolution. I move we adopt the resolution as presented. Second. We have a motion and a second. Any discussion on the motion to adopt the resolution? Uh, hearing none, all those in favor signify by saying yes. 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 Opposed say no. Chair votes yes. The resolution is adopted. Thank you, Mary. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, there you go. Christy, I think you're on, or is Alan doing it for you? Uh, I'll start. Uh, so we will be having a meeting on March 7th. There will be four consolidations on consent agenda okay. for that evening. And then a conditional use permit for a childcare facility uh, just west of town. Um, it's on the property above the old Thompson gravel pit. Above where? The old Thompson gravel pit. Um, so that's all we have scheduled for now. We do have last week, we got the full draft of the UDC. So we are busy reviewing that and marking it up and we'll get that back to design workshop on March 7th and then they'll make all of their changes. And then there are two joint planning commission, board of county commissioner, public work sessions to review that draft on April 18th and April 25th. Are those uh, with public comment? I'm putting yes. on my calendar. And it looks like those are both of those are at 4 p.m. Okay. 4 p.m. Um and then as far as applications that have been submitted, we got the preliminary subdivision for tailwaters. We got the preliminary subdivision for land delay right down the road. Uh, when y'all reviewed that, it was 41 units. Now it's 77 units. Um, we got a sketch application from Tri-State to subdivide their open space parcel that they own in South Shore. And then we're also expecting Steamboat Mountain or Stagecoach Mountain Ranch to submit once we adopt the new UDC. So that's where the action is. That's where the action is. Yeah. What, what date is the second UDC meeting? Or joint um, meeting? 25th, I think 25th. 25th. Yeah, just the next okay, week. Thank you. So both of those are work sessions. Neither one of those is scheduled as an adoption. No, adoption is going to happen in May or in April. Or no, it's actually May. May. Excuse me. Thank you. Um, and so with everything that's going on in Stagecoach, we're we're having we're meeting tomorrow with Road and Bridge to understand how we're going to move forward with a road engineering study because we've gotten traffic counts and types of traffic and that information from the developers. Some of them have done 
studies, traffic impact studies, but there they were just looking at wait times for different intersections. It, their studies did not go into whether County Road 14 can handle that amount of traffic, whether any improvements need to be made at the Highway 40 intersection or 131 intersection. Um, how do we handle maybe potentially a second access? So, um, and the feeling is, is that we don't want to piecemeal this. We want to do one engineering study, road engineering study that takes into account all of those developments, the maximum potential uh, traffic, and then and we still have to discuss this, but just our thought is, and then um, trying to format that study so that each project could stand on their own. Because this study is gonna look at the 800 units from Stagecoach Mountain Ranch, the 200 from Tailwaters, the 77 from Landelay, and then the other one from Tri-State. Um, but we don't want to make one dependent upon the other. So we're going to try to format it so that the so we can understand what the full impacts are and then understand what each individual development proposals impact would be so that we can try to then if any improvements are needed, we can equitably distribute those costs based on the impact from each one of those developments. In that specific, in essence, to County Road 14 and straightening it there, uh, the switchbacks. Potentially there. It, that, it, there that the focal the purpose of the study? Yeah, right. yeah. And okay, so the way that happens is that we get all the, the traffic numbers from, from the developer and then we, the county would hire an outside consultant that would then take that and then look at the road profiles, grades, how they were constructed, all that kind of stuff. And so who funds that if it's upfront before then the developments get? That'll be something that the developers are required to pay for. Uh -huh. And that's the exact same process that was done with oil and gas. Yeah. They would, they would give us their traffic numbers and type of traffic. We would then hire, give that to the outside consultant. They would scope it, give it a cost. We would go back to them, have them pay for it. Yeah. And then the study, actual study was done. Yeah. But I was just wondering since then, since it's kind of this conglomeration of different developments, that's, that's going to be the purpose of, of the meeting tomorrow. Uh, that's, what I hope we are going to determine tomorrow. And the county still has the right of way across from Barrow's place, right? Yep. That realignment. Thing. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So the right of way is obtained. It's just the county's hasn't gotten the grants to be able to construct it. And we've applied many, 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 many can, times. Alan, can you go through 700 units for? Stagecoach. Well, so that that's the last we heard. And they're they've come. They they're going to have additional like workforce housing units and stuff like that. So maybe nine hundred for Stagecoach Mountain Ranch. And Dale then Waters is two two hundred plus all their commercial areas. And then seventy seven for Land Lake. Brown Ranch type numbers in Stagecoach if they all went through. Yeah. Wonder if, if uh, Yampa Valley Housing Authorities up to speed on all of that 
oh, development and absorption and increase. They just came to Oak Creek and made that same presentation that we got just the other last week. And so the they definitely are getting the message that they need to extend their engagement outward a little bit more. But right now their boundary is is steamboat and their focus is steamboat and it's there's no sign of that really changing. But to be clear, also we've been talking with Jason. Um, he's on our technical working group for updating the code project. <laughs> and one of our questions to him is when we are looking at stagecoach and affordable or workforce housing, the boundaries currently, as you know, don't extend to stagecoach. So would they consider going into a cost share um, with the county to manage workforce housing um, that we're looking to create in the code as a requirement with new development and stagecoach? And the answer was yes, and that can be done. So those are some of the devil in the details that we will be having to work out through the code update project. Yeah, I mean, they even offered or extended, extended the offer of help to the town of Oak Creek in some of the you know, heavy lifting that goes on with um, the housing studies and things like that. So I think, I think they're becoming more engaged in the process here um, as of late. Like they, they offered resources, you know. Was there a motion? I, are we done? You have anything else? I, I don't have anything else, Christy. So we. Um, the only sure other update I had was um, uh, wanted just to provide an updated number on the survey that went out. Um, and we are going through some of the answers as we speak, but um, it closes on the 21st. And this is the third pulse survey where we asked the question again about house sizes, which Alan can tell you as well as me, we're getting a lot of feedback and um, outreach, calling and providing their input. But survey as of today, we have 163 responses on this pulse survey. What did she say? How many? 163 so far. And it closes on the 21st. And so the survey has gone out through social media at different times, different pushes, as well as the county newsletter and the Navigate Your Route site. Um, also want to provide an update that we have reached out twice to the paper on this issue. And Alan, you could share the latest response, but um, just to let you know that they have all the information and we have personally reached out to the paper to do a story on it. And that has yet to happen. <laughs> no, correction. They they ran one the very next day. Oh, they I didn't. Oh, I didn't see that. <laughs> yeah. But just so you know, we we have been pushing um, for that. I thought I saw one. Uh, yeah. I saw something. I saw something too, yeah. I didn't read it because I kind of knew the story, but I saw the headline. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, it was it was last week. I think it must have been last Wednesday because I remember reaching out to Susie Romick during staff meeting last Tuesday. Um, and that is all I have. Okay. So do we know for sure we're not meeting on March 21st or 3rd? Uh, we're not that because we only schedule two weeks out so as our notice no, period. We're sure. So we're not sure yet. <laughs> So March March five is the next. One. Yes, it's March seventh. Seventh, right? Seventh. Yep. Yes, that is exactly. Four consolidations, one childcare. Yes. And the eighteenth and twenty-fifth are death rates. That's Just those are work sessions. Brian will be in charge someday. Okay. Yeah, I'm out of here. I'm going boating. <laughs> what else do? They do need to be a little cold. Okay. Do what? Cold. Steve's, uh, Steve's going to end up missing a couple of those meetings. Want? Yeah. So they were okay. just discussed. Couple of those that though. April meetings, both of them. But I don't think it's a vote. It's no, no, those, those are, are work sessions. Anything else, folks? I'd say we're adjourned. <laughs> Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Good night, Christy. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Steve, where, where, where will you be? On my boat. <laughs> where? In the Avatar? Uh, no, I think he's. It's special. It's what? It's going to be a special event. And you have two grandsons who want to go snorkeling. They've never really been on the boat that they'd ever know because they were infants. So mom and dad are bringing them down. Going to go fighting. And he can't park. John, dog. I've actually had one slippers. Yeah, John, any guess? We go down to, um, you know, and can silly, you know, you know, bloody file. It's the name, like you're asking them to a calm barrage. Yeah, they're, they're actually very so transparent. You know, come back in, that's got an area on one side of it, and on the end. So it really works well. You've got guests, so you don't have to stay on board. Is that up near Holiday? No, Almorada. Yeah, but Holiday, um, you know, the big resort. That's exactly where it's at. Yeah. I was going to say, I have Yeah. And then some other spots. They're only down for a week or so. Where do you keep the boat? I don't know. 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 I don't know